Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. They flipped it on us, people. They flipped the board on us. They flipped it for real. Steal line from, uh, I think that was Benicio Del Toro's character in The Usual Suspects. Flip you for real. The good people at Yahoo, Fantasy Sports USA, Incorporated, Non-Incorporated, Limited Liability Partnership, (laughs) have redone the pre-rank board, ladies and gentlemen, and it is very different. And it's going to change our strategy a decent amount. Some of the moves will surprise you, as Dan uses a uh, BuzzFeed article heading to start the podcast. Some of them will not. But today, we're going to go through the most interesting of them, specifically the ones near the top of the board, because there was actually a lot of more minor shuffling later on. Uh, but we haven't really gotten to that part of the board in our discussion anyway. So I don't know that we need to necessarily... Broach it now. But uh, friends, confidants, Yahoo's throwing us a curveball, and we need to sit back on it. Knock one out of the park. Welcome to the show, everybody. This is a simulcast of Fantasy NBA Today. Those of you watching live on YouTube, you're just basically watching an audio podcast being recorded, which seems dry as hell, but... uh, some of you folks has expressed interest in me continuing to do so. So for all intents and purposes, I will. And it seems like overall it's been a positive for the uh, Sports Ethos YouTube page. So we'll we'll keep doing that. But again, this is basically a recorded, a uh, audio-only recorded pod that you guys are just kind of watching in on. You weird podcast voyeurs. We'll work our way down the board. That's the plan. Start at the top where um, there was an adjustment in the top three. Yeah, they didn't. They There's no messing around on this one. They moved almost everybody a little bit. And then a handful of folks, a lot of it. And so uh, we have to figure out what this is going to do to ADP information, whether it changes our draft strategy in any way. And as some of you heard on yesterday's show, as we went through our, our wins and losses, steals and busts, favorites and least favorites of the second round, you know, some of these moves are, are crossing round borders. Not round borders, but the border between rounds is how I probably should have phrased that the first time around. I'm Dan Vespers, still am, same guy, uh, but I took a shower between podcasts today. At Dan Vespers on Twitter, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Please do drop a follow over there. And I got a good word. The tech guys have turned the sale price Back on, my friends. The sale price is back on. The all-sport fantasy pass is back down to $7 a month. That was the sale price from last weekend. It is back on for those that missed the last one. Um, Make sure you check that out. It's got our basketball stuff, so all the draft guide stuff. The Brewski 150 will be in there when that's done. Projections, points league stuff, tools, all that good stuff. It will also have all of that stuff for football and baseball. Football actually is all in it right now. That season just started. Baseball, they're kind of wrapping things up a little bit. You still get daily pickups from those guys and other fun articles about relievers and stuff. Uh, But then, of course, when that loops back around 
to the start of 2024, you'll get the baseball draft guide and everything that goes with that as well. So that's the All Sport for $7 a month. The reason I bring this up is that many of you are thinking about getting the NBA Fantasy Pass and you're just waiting on it. That's $6 a month for one extra one. One extra dollar a month. You can get all of our sports here at Sports Ethos and then just go kick some butt in uh, in everything year-round instead of for uh, part of the year, which a part that's getting shorter as we continue to lop pieces off of the, uh, the head-to-head schedule. But anyway, that's the promo stuff for the front end of the show. Let's dive in. Let's talk a little bit about the Yahoo rearranged board just in time for Rosh Hashanah, I guess. Starts tomorrow. It's a Yahoo's playing Jewish New Year tricks on all of us here. Um, Nikola Jokic remains in the number one seat, so uh, no no massive surprises there. But right out of the shoot, by the time you get to the number two spot, you've already got a shakeup. Nikola Jokic uh, followed now by Luka Doncic in the two spot. His ADP sits behind Joel Embiid's. It's possible that over the next couple of weeks, those two end up flip-flopping because now they have been flip-flopped on the board. Doncic is number two because of his prowess in eight-category leagues and even more so in points leagues. He is a points league mega stud, always at the way top of the board because turnovers, free throw percent, his two weakest categories by a pretty significant margin. Field goal percent was actually kind of a wash last year, but if you punt two of those three categories, effectively turning your player into a points league player, Luka is in a dead heat with Joel Embiid for the number two spot overall. They are both way behind, oddly enough, somehow, uh, Nikola Jokic. I don't really know why. I guess because Jokic is outstanding at field goal percent and free throw, he's just kind of okay. Uh, But he gets a nice bump from points leagues as well. Odd twist on things. You wouldn't expect that. But uh, the fact that Jokic is weak in turnovers, weak being sort of a doing some heavy lifting there, and then just sort of not great at free throws. If you eliminate any of the categories that Jokic is not great at, he opens up a pretty commanding lead over everybody else. But that's the answer to the question of why the hell is Luka number two. It's because not everybody's playing nine category leagues, and not everybody's playing to attack all nine categories, even if they are in them. But he does certainly profile better on the points league side, because while it's true... And I've seen this on Twitter a little bit, and I talked about it with Josh on his show about Giannis last night. If you have Luka, you don't have to punt free throws. He's not that awful at it, where it just obliterates the category altogether. It just makes your life easier. Because if you're not punting free throws, he's not a top three guy in overall ranks. If you are, as we just talked about, he basically is. Easy peasy. Let's keep going. Joel Embedded 3 Embed Embed. Joel Embed. I'm embedding the link to Joel Embed at 3. Try again, Dan. Um and now in my eyes in in pretty much any league 9 cat would be preferable, but 8 cat as well where you're not punting anything. Joel Embed has a shot to be the number 1 guy this year, provided he can stay upright. So um, number three pick is an interesting spot to be because now you're debating between Embiid, who might obliterate everybody on a per-game basis this year, including Jokic. He might beat Jokic per game, 
And I think he pretty much spanks everybody else's. Again, as long as he is focused and engaged, the injury stuff is a worry. But he was tied with Jokic on a per-game basis last year, and Embiid is probably going to have to do more this season, and Jokic is probably not going to be doing more. How could he? I guess someone could get hurt, but off the championship, to me it feels like the Nuggets are throwing this season into cruise control. So I love Embiid at three now. Feels like a massive win. And you're going to get in leagues where people are so afraid that he falls to four or even five. I I just, it's not going to happen all that often. Tatum at four in pre ranks. um, He, so let's line these four names up a little bit Tatum, Shea, Halliburton, and Steph now, which is notable because before Tatum and Halliburton were four or five, Shea and Steph were six, seven. Shea's the guy who shifted up one there. It pushed Halliburton down a click. And in my eyes, this is this is excellent. The farther down the board that you guys can bring me Tyrese Halliburton, the happier I'll be. I think he's in line for a really good year. You guys have heard me talk about that. I think his games played are way up this season. If I'm drafting at four, I'm debating between Shea and Halliburton because Shea has that per-game ability... Even if the free throw stuff comes down a hair, he should still be at least in line with Halliburton, which was slightly in front of Jason Tatum last year. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. And then you get into Steph, which is sort of a different thing. He was also above Halliburton and Tatum per game, but Steph, you're now dealing with sort of the old age stuff. Uh, but Halliburton, I think, takes a step slightly forward. I like the games played. I think Shea, even if he takes a small step back, I think he plays a decent number of games, as does Tatum. You have a choice of three guys that, in my mind, are all going to be trying to play 75 games this year. How much they get of that, I don't know. But they're trying to get there in a way that I don't think Embiid or Doncic or Jokic is actually trying to do. And same story for Steph. I don't think they're trying to get him to 75 games this season either. Even if, out of all of these guys we just talked about, Steph does have the best per-game potential and will likely beat those guys per game. I just think it's close enough on that front where, you know, Steph played 56 games last year. He was on and off the injured list. In fantasy, he was on and off just being hurt in real life pretty much the entire season in a way that Tatum was not and Shea was not. Played more. 10 is the number between... No, excuse me, uh, 12. Shea beat him by 12 games. Tatum beat him by 16. 
18. I'm struggling, man. I need to get more sleep right now. And then Halliburton tied him, and that was on a team that went into a tank mode at the end. So Steph is, uh, as much as I love having Steph at the start of one of these drafts, he is very much the clear number seven pick in my eyes here. And uh, Yahoo has him ranked accordingly. Behind him, LaMelo Ball gets a bump up two slots from 10 to 8 on the new board, which, I mean, I talked about it a couple days ago. LaMelo Ball is not one of my top picks this year. I'm afraid of his ankles. I'm afraid of the ball leg legacy right now. Lonzo's legs, LaMelo's ankles, it's a whole thing. Now, LaMelo's awesome. So it's hard. When we talk about fantasy sports, I have to make sure that I'm very clear that I separate the reality side from the fantasy side. I love watching LaMelo Ball play basketball, but he makes me nervous. He's also a terrible field goal percent guy, so you're kind of approaching this from a field goal punt. From a build standpoint, you could do it. He's like Halliburton, but without the field goal percent. There's a lot of overlap there. Halliburton three threes, LaMelo was at four last year. Halliburton 10 assists, LaMelo was at eight and a half. But both pretty good steals guy. They can both hit their free shots, as the great Hubie Brown calls it. But for my money at this point, I don't want to take someone that is going to blow a hole in one of my categories. It's why I'm not a big beginning of the draft Luka guy. He blows a hole in free throw percent. You can fix that. You can patch it up. But I don't really want to be thinking about patching something up at the front of my draft. I'd rather, and, you know, the guy you draft doesn't have to be great at everything. I would just prefer my guy to not be a mess at one or more things. Now, this is where I get upset because at first I'm like, oh, great, LaMelo's at eight, so that's going to push a couple guys farther down the board for me, like a Kevin Durant or an Anthony Davis. Yay, those get little small flag waves, but... Kyrie Irving got moved up to nine. He was, I forget where he was, I think he was at a dozen, 12 or 13 at the last juncture, and his ADP was 15 because nobody wanted him. And Yahoo's like, here, yes you do, please take him. Because this is actually a really smart board move for them, and that's annoying to me because I was feeling pretty good about getting Kyrie at 15, 16 in a lot of drafts, and I just don't think that's going to happen anymore. Is he one of my favorite picks of the first round? Let's wait and see. He was before. If he still falls to the very end of the first round, instead of 9, maybe he falls to 12, maybe you can get him. I mean, if you could get him at 12, you could get him at 13, but that's a wash. Maybe you could get him at 14 still. I'm annoyed with it. That's the short version. I was hoping he would fall farther, but now it seems like maybe he won't. Another player who got demoted a little bit, in addition to the aforementioned Durant and AD, was Damian Lillard, who was sitting around 8 previously. Uh, he gets bumped down to 10. The Presumably this is because his situation hasn't been rectified yet. When it does, you'll get the sort of real spot for Dame. As it stands right now, I would take him in the second round. If Lillard fell to me, and I'm not talking about on the turn, I'm talking about like the actual second round, so, you know... 14 or beyond, I would take a very long, hard look at Dame if some of these other guys weren't still on the board. Uh, I'm not taking him at 10. That's still not deep enough for me to take the Dame plunge on the assumption he goes to Miami. Still going to do a lot, but not as much as before. 
Hey, quick mid-show reminder here to uh, check out everything I've got going on over on Twitter at Dan Bespris and, of course, the on-sale all-sport fantasy pass for 7 bucks. I'm going to flick you in the forehead until you uh, do one of the things that I ask you to do. Like and subscribe if you're watching our simulcast on YouTube as well. Kevin Durant is number 11 on the new board, and this I like because he's down a slot. And the farther he falls, the more likely it is that I'll end up with him. And now we're actually getting pretty close to having KD where I thought he was going to go. I don't know if you guys remember this, but I think it was in June, maybe July, I said something on the show like, I bet Kevin Durant, people are so soured on his injury stuff from last year. I bet that he falls to the end of the first round. And until this point, he didn't really fall all the way to the end of the first round. But now he kind of did. He's at 11. If he slips even the tiniest bit, you got him at the end of the first round. And you have this wacky spot here where, and we'll talk about the players in between them, but KD's at 11. Anthony Davis got moved all the way down to 14, which is now one of my favorite picks on the board because we're talking top five per game appeal for a guy that I'm sure is going to be trying to get to 65 games. He probably doesn't, but it doesn't matter. We talked about this yesterday, I think. AD played only 56 games last year, had a serious foot injury, and still managed to be number 17 by totals, missing this 14 rank by three slots. Said it before, I'll say it a thousand times. If he plays 62 games this coming year, he's a mid-first rounder. That's the power of the top per-game guys. So I love Anthony Davis at 14. Games cap roto. What if I somehow ended up with Kevin Durant and Anthony Davis in my first two picks? Oh, my God. Clean up. That's what you'd need. Incredible. So those guys falling is lovely to me. And that's the flip side of this. I'm sure I could dwell on the fact that Kyrie Irving is not going to be the value he was two days ago. But Kevin Durant and Anthony Davis are values now. You know, uh, window closes, door opens, door closes, window opens, that whole sort of thing. So if everybody's freaking out about values being lost in these board rearrangements, it does create other opportunities. We just have to be ready to kind of pivot strategy. Giannis got moved up to only 12. We knew they were going to shift him up the board at some point. His ADP is 9.3, and this is just going to make it easier for folks to take him at 8 or 9, which is, I think, where he's going to go anyway. I continue to be worried about his games played number. And I continue to not want to punt something with my first-round pick, and he still does qualify as number 12, a first-round pick. Devin Booker at 13 is still way, way too high for me on that one. Anthony Edwards down at 15 now, moving ever so slightly down the board. Still not quite far enough for my liking, although I do think there's a pretty decent chance he gets near 15 by totals. That was where he excelled last season. Was not that great per game, but by totals he was at 22. So even a small click up on the per game basis, if he continues to play in most of his team's ball games, he'll get around number 15 on that side. But I'm hunting per game upside in most of my leagues right now. The only reason you'd go uh, Anthony Edwards here is, in my eyes, if Demonis Sabonis was off the board already, and you and you badly, badly needed durability. So if you took Anthony Davis in the first round, which would mean that a lot of these other guys were already off the board, and you're like, Ugh, I need to I'm gonna make sure that one of my guys near the top is playing all their games. That's the way 
you sort of pair that off. But I still, I, I mean, honestly, I think you shoot the moon at this point. You go for the upside guys. And so I'm probably looking at more durability a little later, but whatever. Riverboat Gambler Dan is in full effect right now. Demonis Sabonis at 16. He was 20 before, so he's getting pushed up the board, and that's annoying because he was one of my preferred second-round picks, and he's not as an early to mid-second-rounder. I liked him as a late second for the durability, for the high floor. You wipe out a little bit of the value here, but at the same time, if you don't like the guys behind him, that's okay. I just think that this tweak that Yahoo made to move Sabonis ahead of Donovan Mitchell... I mean, that was really the big jump there. They moved him ahead of Freddie Van Vliet and Mikael Bridges as well, but in my eyes, those are less concerning because Bridges and Sabonis are very similar, as is Anthony Edwards. Those three guys are like, oh, well, they'll probably be between 20 and 35 per game, and they'll probably play in a lot of ball games. So you could take them early to mid-second round. Just know you're not going to beat that most likely per game. But again, you could take him. I still think that I'd go Donovan Mitchell there, but that's just me. Trey Young is at 17. Uh, his ADP was 23 before. He was pre-ranked 24, I believe. No, 25, was it? Doesn't matter. Uh, he's just going to keep going earlier. And he's been going earlier in every draft because he's a head-to-head darling. And he's a build guy. You know, you can play that build game over and over and over with Trey. He's also a very durable player. But, you know, punt turnovers, punt field goal. We talked about that. We talked about punting two things to move Luka Doncic up the board. You punt those two things, turnovers and field goal. You move Trey Young up to that number 16 per game slot. There you go. And then, you know, he plays in 70-plus games basically every year, minus the seasons that were only 72 games to begin with. Um, good at scoring, great at assists. He's a, he, a excellent free throw number guy. Very easy to build around because he is so elite at a few things. And then he lands basically where he's getting drafted. That's the, that's the Trey Young story. And that's why for folks that are like, why are you taking him here? He was ranked near 40 last year in Roto. Yeah, this is why you need to be, it's, it's build stuff. Donovan Mitchell at 18 is still a decent value. Freddie Van Vliet somehow is still at 19 and not a guy that I really want there. Mikael Bridges at 20. Safe. I'm good with that. Here's an interesting one. Trying to blitz through a couple uh, through a couple of um, not that overwhelming names to get to JJJ. At pick 21, Jaron Jackson Jr. 21. Dropped him eight slots in this board rearrangement. Two days ago, he was one of my least favorite picks in the first two rounds. Now, he's one of my favorites. Because you're no longer building your team on JJJ's chassis. If he was your pick at 12, everything you did after that had to be built on JJJ, who you're going to be great at blocks, and you're just sort of fine at almost everything else. That's not a great hull to put your team on. Now you get him at 21, he's getting paired up with somebody like a Tatum or a Shea or a Halliburton or a Steph Curry, and you're like, awesome! Three of those guys are guards! Steph, Tyrese, Shea, put JJJ with those dudes, you shore up blocks without hurting any of the other categories. He likely scores more this year because Jaw's missing a third of the season. Terrific! I'm all in! Give me JJJ at the end of the second round. Not at the end of the first. It's a big 
big difference. This is one of those spots where, you know, 10 picks makes the world of difference. Desmond Bain, uh, his pre-rank is at 22, mostly left where he was. He's starting to get shunned a little bit in mock drafts. When we did this morning, he fell all the way to the end of the 20s. And I would take so much Desmond Bain at the end of the 20s. Because dude was number 35 last year in only 31 and a half minutes per ball game. A lot of what we saw from him was kind of him coming back from an injury. Remember, he missed a ton of time. I think that was between like early December and what was it, like six, eight weeks later, something like that. Bain got off to a wonderful start last year, playing 33 and a half minutes per game, first dozen 15 games of the year or so before he got hurt. He was at 25, 5, and 5. Four threes a game. There's no reason he can't replicate that with Jaw on the shelf. He might be able to do that with Jaw not on the shelf this year. Bain's probably a second rounder per game this season. I'm really happy about the fact that he's starting to get pushed down the board a little. I, I, you guys remember me in, in May coming on the show, and I was like, Bane, keep an eye on Bane. I think he's going to get faded this coming year because of the injury. And then Ja got suspended, and that blew up in my face. But now he's starting to get like kind of semi-faded a little bit, and that's good for us. Good news for us. We need a little more fade, though. Get him into the mid-late 20s, lap it up. Kawhi still around 23. I think he moved up one slot, so nothing special there. Roto games cap play in this range. If he falls much farther, you take him in all formats. Jimmy Butler, similar story. A little bit less excited about him than Kawhi, especially if Dame comes to town. I don't know that I want him right at the end of the second, but he's a guy that falls in a lot of drafts as well. So, you know, get him to 30 and then take the plunge. Paul George, similar story, but again, needs to be about a half round deeper. So for me, I'd probably take Kawhi in almost any format around pick 25. Butler around pick 30. PG more like 35. That's the difference in those guys. PG's just not as good per game as Kawhi and Jimmy Butler is. Meanwhile, James Harden has taken the brunt of a Yahoo downgrade. Uh, fear that we won't know where he's playing at the beginning of this season. Or if we do, it's going to be fat suit James Harden still in Philadelphia. And I get it. You can't draft him if he's pulling that shtick. Because even once he gets moved... He'll be out of shape and pulling hammies every four games. If he shows up healthy, wherever he's at, okay, maybe we take a shot. But this is why you need to do your draft on... Sorry, I got a niche on the outside of my right nostril, those watching on YouTube. This is why you got to take him... This is why you got to draft on October 22nd, basically. Because we don't know where Harden is yet. You can't draft him right now. He could be a clipper, bad. He could be a sixer, real bad. Because that's give up Harden. Or maybe he gets moved in two weeks and then he's ready to rumble. And that's good, Harden. That's, you know, mid-teens or earlier. LeBron at 27, still too early for my taste. I think he's in the 30s per game this year. I'm fading LeBron pretty hard. I'll probably regret it. Pascal Siakam at 28, that's about where he was before and I don't like it. Bam Adebayo moved up six slots despite all the maybe Dame's going to be a Heat thing. Don't like that either. Adebayo is not uh, a 20-something per game guy. He was 34 last year. He likely sees fewer offensive opportunities. And this is like the equivalent of, in my eyes, doing the Anthony Edwards thing at 13, where you're not doing it for per game. 
By the way, Bam was number 27 by totals last year. If you're like, yeah, but he played in 75 games. Yeah, it didn't help him that much. DeJounte Murray at 30 also got shuttled up the board about five slots. And I'm also not particularly pleased with it because he was 24 by totals last year. And that's why going it at 35, I was like, okay, well, he'll probably be per game around 35. And he'll probably beat the league average in games played. Uh, but now you got to invest a little bit more in him. I don't think that he's a top 30 per game player this year unless the steals come back to 1.7 or 1.8. And then you need the totals to get him there. So um, less enticing for me at 30. I could still be sort of conned into it. Um, but I don't know that it's the thing that I want to do in a big way. The top 30 is basically what I wanted to get through on today's show, but I also wanted to hit on a couple of key names uh, that sit in the not-too-distant future beyond that mark. Larry Markkinen moved way down the board. I think he was 23 or 24. He's now 31. Big downgrade for Lowry, who, which makes him kind of interesting now. He was 18 per game last year in what I think is sort of a not-repeatable 50-88 field goal and free throw split. I think the 50 field goal percent does come back down a little bit. But a lot of his other stuff, I think he can repeat. Because Utah, by and large, lost guys that did stuff. They still have Jordan Clarkson, so he'll be out there chucking away. And they brought in John Collins, but he's more sort of an efficiency player. Uh, but Markinen's the lead horse on that team. Colin Sexton, he'll get some shots up. But that's why I didn't want Markin in at 20. It felt like last year was as good as it gets. But now we're talking in the 30s. Could we call it safe? I don't know there's a big upside at 31 for him. But it does feel like a much more reasonable spot to end up with it. Cade Cunningham got shot all the way up to number 32 in this build. We've talked about Cade a bunch. He's also a build guy. I want to make sure that we, we sort of get that terminology beaten deep into your brain grapes. Cade Cunningham is not a great nine-category player. He's weak at turnovers, very weak, because he's not a first-round guy putting up four turnovers a game. He was, you know, a 90-range guy putting up four turnovers a game. That's different. You know, it's different when Jokic goes three-and-a-half turnovers versus Cade. Cade also was a big-time punt field goal guy, and I don't know that that magically gets fixed, fixed but uh, decent scoring, not great. Rebounds relatively well for a guard. Assists are fine. I don't know if that's changing a whole lot with Jaden Ivey floating around, but maybe it gets a little better. Good steals and blocks, though. That's a nice number for Cade. Decent free throws. He's number 36 if you're punting turnovers and field goal percent. So, again, this is kind of like the Trey Young discussion we just had. If you're punting a couple of things, turnovers being this sort of layup punt for a lot of folks, and then one of the percentages... This is where Cade belongs. If you're not, this is not where he belongs, and you could let somebody else go down that path. I'm personally not trying to build a nine-category team that's punting field goal percent and turnover. So I probably will end up with almost no Cade Cunninghams outside of my, you guys know, my weirdo league that plays kind of like a points format. Otherwise, just doesn't really fit what I'm doing. But if someone takes him here, you can't be like, oh, what a moron. Because that person might, now if that person's not punting those two things, it's probably not the best pick in the world, but if they are, then you understand where they're going, and you can figure out what guys they're going to be taking. Use that knowledge. Uh, Jalen Brunson got moved down a couple of clicks, not by much. Um, 
honestly still not quite far enough for my taste. Other notables here, um, Victor Wembanyama and Carl Anthony Towns, big ones here. Uh, Wembanyama all the way down to 40 in pre-rank, which suddenly makes him kind of interesting as a fourth rounder. I still don't think he falls that far in drafts. I think people are going to go seek him out in drafts. He's going to miss like 20 games this season, though. Just be ready for that. Does the fun outweigh the the likely scenario that you lose this pick? As in to say, not that you lose it like it, it's gone to you, but it doesn't win. It's not a winning play. The fun might actually outweigh it in some scenarios because he's going to have some truly insane lines blended in with a lot of struggles. And the other one, Cat. Cat got moved all the way down to pre-rank 39. But I'll tell you guys, I did a mock this morning, and he still went in the mid-20s. So I don't think people are buying this adjustment to Carl Anthony Towns. He likely still goes in the 20s. I'll believe it when I see it, that he actually gets drafted mid to late 30s. That doesn't feel reasonable, does it? That feels that feels like crap. A couple other quickie ones. DeMar DeRozan got moved up to 44 that's a shame because he was the easiest, like, 50-range pick on the board. Porzingis got moved down into the 40s. If that's where he starts to go, I would consider it now because he was, I think his pre-rank was in the 30s before. He was still getting drafted in the 40s, but this maybe shoves him a little deeper. Maybe we get him now going end of the 40s, kind of like last year in Washington where, you know, he was an early second rounder. It's not going to be that good in Boston, but if he's getting drafted at 45 now, his per-game numbers will smash that. Chet Holmgren got moved all the way down to number 53. That might impact his ADP because people are not always looking for the rookies. Eh, maybe with him. We'll see. His ADP was 43 and a half before. I think this will move it back. He's someone you can look at in the 50s now. Yeah, who's putting these guys closer to where they belong? And maybe, again, this is like new names emerge for us. He might end up being one of them. And there's a fun factor as well. Zion got moved up the board to number 61. Thought that was notable. Chris Paul got pushed up to 64, which is going to be annoying because I was probably going to end up with Chris Paul at 70 in a bunch of spots. Um, this, I think, is on the news of him likely starting for Golden State. Rudy Gobert moved down to 69. Tyler Hero up to number 70. And those are probably the big ones, at least uh, in the relatively early going. Um, Jakob Pertl, one of our uh, later center targets, got moved up to number 79, so that's also uh, a little bit annoying. And that is where we will put a pin in things on the Yahoo rearranged board. Hope you guys uh, enjoyed it. Hope you guys will be ready to see how this board looks in mock drafts. I don't know that I'm going to have time to do one tomorrow. We did one earlier today. I'm going to try to do one over the weekend, but uh, it's not going to be all that easy because um, Saturday morning, again, is is... Some of you know that Friday night, Saturday morning is uh, Rosh Hashanah. It's, a, it's actually a two-day event, but many of, of we, I call myself Jewish light. We don't attend all of it. Um, but then there will be some, some family stuff that day. And, uh, you know, maybe we're relatively, maybe I should check my calendar here live on air. What am I doing? What am I doing this weekend after that? You know what? I might be able to get one in on Sunday morning. We might have a mock on Sunday. Stay tuned for a possible Sunday morning mock. 
All right. What else was I trying to get to you guys? Uh, Dan Vespers is the name on Twitter. I want to hit that for a third time because I, I really want to push all of you guys over into the social media sphere. I also want to push as many of you as I can uh, to our uh, Sports Ethos Discord, which the info for that is in the description of the show. No matter whether you're watching or listening, I'm also throwing it in the YouTube chat room, so it's easy to find there. If you're watching live, you can just look over to the side and click on that bad boy. It's a really nice landing spot. Um, we're hoping to, to really ramp up the free offerings in there this year. And because Twitter is uh, like intermittently a hellscape these days, it's a place where you can get all of your ethos information kind of condensed and packaged without all the outside whatever is going on on, on uh, Twitter X, xtwitter.com, and so on and so forth. What else did I want to tell you guys about? Uh, what's next? What's next? Tomorrow... We'll pick up where we left off um, with some favorites and least favorites of the third round. And then next week, that'll allow us to go a little bit deeper on the board. Because we've basically gotten through the top 36 a little bit beyond that before. Um, but I want to try to get into some deeper names as uh, we work towards the top 100. Any other ADP shifts, we'll keep an eye on those because of this board rearrangement. And uh, again, we'll keep getting those mocks as often as we can. Two show Thursday in the books, everybody. Thanks for watching one. The other, or both, as I said before, love you all right now. This is a fun time of year for us. The ramp up 40 days to the start of the NBA season. I am Dan Vespers. This is Fantasy NBA Today. Like, subscribe, rate, and review. You know the drill, and I'll get at you all tomorrow. So long for now. <laughs>